1: This episode is brought to you by ZipRecruiter. When you want the best, you have to act fast, especially when hiring for your business. You want to find the most talented people before the competition scoops them up. And the best way to do that? ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter finds top talent fast. In fact, four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. And right now, you can try it for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Spotify. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. Star Diary, the podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. You can subscribe to the print edition of the magazine by visiting skyatnightmagazine.com or to our digital edition by visiting iTunes or Google Play. Greetings listeners, and welcome to Star Diary, a weekly guide to the best things to see in the Northern Hemisphere's night sky. In this episode, we'll be covering the coming week from the 3rd of October to the 9th of October. I'm Ezzy Pearson, the magazine's Features Editor, and I'm joined on the podcast today by Reviews Editor Paul Manny. Hello, Paul. Hello
0: there, Ezzy. This is going to be a good week for the moon, you know.
1: Oh, another good week, because we did have a good one last week as well. So what are your recommendations for this week? Well, this week,
0: the first quarter moon occurs actually in Sagittarius. And we mentioned last week about the ecliptic being low. This is sort of the point whereby it's in the south at around about eight o'clock. So you can see the first quarter moon. And this is actually on the third of October. So just at the start of the week itself. I say first quarter, it's one of those quirks that, you know, it's very... Very simple to think that it always happens exactly for just us, but we have to think we're on a world. So actually, the true point of first quarter was earlier in the day so when we see it by the time it gets around to the evening it's slightly more than a half phase because first quarter always suggests it's got to be half phase into mm. it so it's slightly more than that in actual fact but there's lots of features to see on the moon i mean you've got the various basins anyway you've got beginning to see uh, Mare imbrium the huge basin actually on the moon we see about half of it at the moment on this particular night and we've got uh, the sea of serenity of course we've got tranquility where of course the apollo astronauts landed as well and uh, we've actually got Got a lot of the craters in the southern hemisphere becoming available to view. So mm. if you've got a small telescope, the moon is absolutely full of detail uh, to use. Uh, you know, if you're a beginner, I always think the the moon is uh, moon and Saturn. Those are the two I really my my first memories of looking at the moon and Saturn and being absolutely blown away. And I think that's common with a lot of amateur astronomers. The first views were usually of the moon and Saturn sort of thing, you know, and uh, Saturn with its rings and but seeing the craters on the moon. The actual real craters. So there's lots in the southern hemisphere. It's a lot more craters in the southern hemisphere. So uh, they're becoming available now. And it is interesting, of course, NASA recently announced something, I think it was last month, that uh, they're actually now looking at lo- sites for the landings yeah. uh, to take place in the southern South Polar region. So when you're looking at that South Polar region, you're you're looking possibly mm. at the historic landing sites of the next missions. Yeah. I mean, that'll be exciting, won't it?
1: They've, they've announced uh, 13 potential landing sites um, across the the, the South Pole of the Moon um, because this is the place where they think it's most likely to be able to find some form of water on the Moon because there's some craters down there that never quite see the light of the Sun and they think that well there's there's been hints that there's water ice down there um, but whatever happens probably um, provided it goes ahead uh, Artemis 3 will be landing at the Lunar South Pole.
0: That'd be quite exciting. I mean, I, 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 the
1: first woman on the Moon yeah. will walk across the South Pole.
0: About in time as mm-hmm. well. <laughs> Now the thing about the moon is... When it's at this phase, it's waxing towards full. That's what we call waxing. So it's getting bigger uh, in the actual phase itself. And it does slowly climb higher up the ecliptic. Uh, It actually forms a triangle with Saturn and Vesta on the 5th, so two nights later. And we're talking about 8 o'clock, so a nice, convenient time. No setting alarm clocks for this one, is it, sort of thing. We just go outside and there, hopefully it is. I mean, obviously, the moon is so bright, you shouldn't be able to... If you can't see the moon, it's got to be cloudy. (laughs) either that or you've got hills or buildings in the way sort of thing so uh, you know but it's one of those things now the thing about this is that we've got Saturn and we've got Vesta and Vesta does need binoculars Mm. or a small telescope but it's nice to see we've got three planetary bodies reasonably accessible to view the moon easy naked eye Saturn naked eye and with a telescope as well and then I say Vesta as well and
1: three completely different planetary bodies you've got a, a planet a moon and an asteroid in there
0: Yeah, exactly. So you can study three different types, sort of thing, in in one go, sort of Mm -hmm. thing. But as I say, you will need binoculars or a telescope for Vesta. Vesta itself is not too bad in magnitude. It's plus 6.5. So that's sort of, you know, bordering on what some call naked eye. You know, nowadays with my glasses, I think I need something brighter than that. (laughs) So I'll be able to see it. Saturn's magnitude plus 0.5. But the moon, well, it's bound to be bright. It's minus (laughs) 11.6 because it's so bright. And, of course, big as well. But uh, this is a chance to look them down, have a Mm -hmm. look at Vesta and see Saturn as well. I always like it when the moon lines up with these things because it's a guide. Then we'll wait another two or three days. We're talking about the 8th of october and the moon is getting towards full it's not quite full it's past neptune and it will actually lie below jupiter so we just mentioned jupiter and this is an interesting thing is that we're sort of like a week or so sort of thing from or probably about a week 10 days from the opposition of jupiter Mm. and the point about this is that this is why it's getting close to full sort of thing because the moon is full when it's at opposition Yes, we don't think about that. We never really we we never use the term opposition for the moon, but that's technically what's happening. It's opposite the sun in the sky. It is fully illuminated, so you know you know you're getting close to that time sort of when the full moon is getting closer to the position of say a planet that's at opposition as well. So you know the full moon has to occur at virtually the same time. So we're very close. We're only a few days off or such from that. But uh, on the ninth. If we always lack a challenge, don't we? Yeah. Um, we're, we're always throwing up challenges as such. You need to be in the morning sky. We're talking about 4 a.m. I know, I know it's early, but you know, it's one of those things that, I mean, you've got the glories of the, the winter sky up by then. You've got Orion up and you've got Canis Major. And the thing about Canis Major is we've got Sirius, the brightest star in the night sky. We have to say the night sky. If we say the sky, somebody says, hang on, the sun's the brightest thing. Mm -hmm. But uh, Sirius is the brightest star in the night sky uh, in both hemispheres. And so what we've got, though, is got the minor world, Pallas. Now, Pallas is faint again. It's a bit like Sirius. It's 8.8 So it is quite faint, Um, but it's interesting to compare it with this incredibly bright star, minus 1.45 for Sirius. And so Palace over the next few nights, so the 8th, the 9th, and then into next week, is passing Sirius. And again, if you've never found this minor world, if you, if you want to tick it off, you never actually bothered looking for it, then when it's next to a really bright star, this is the time that it helps find it for you. You can home in on the right region. So you will need large binoculars, small telescope, that'll be best for it as such. Well, on the ninth, the moon is actually full. And I love it when you watch the full If you've got a clear easternish horizon, to watch the moon rise, it's, it starts off, of course, slightly distorted right on the horizon and, and it's red mm-hmm. and then it gradually turns orange and then it gets higher and it's pale lemon and then gradually goes back to its silvery white color. And I love it when it's low down though, because if it coincides just at the right time, you can catch the belt of Venus behind it. So you actually get this gorgeous yellowy-orange moon. I remember taking a picture many years ago, sort of thing. I I gave a talk in Wales, and as it was summertime, and as I was heading back, I was literally driving towards the moon, and I had to find a lay-by and stop because there was this gorgeous picture of the moon, but it was in the belt of Venus. And this belt of Venus is basically the Earth's shadow. And you know the red sunsets, all that? It's the red sunset, but the, the scattering of the light in the atmosphere, and we see it sort of gradually rising higher but then it gradually fades so it's more concentrated lower down Mm -hmm. and when you see the moon against that as well it's absolutely gorgeous and it's known as the belt of venus although technically venus can't actually be in it
1: (laughs) that's true (laughs) because
0: it's opposite the 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 wrong direction the sky isn't it (laughs) Venus is an interior
1: planet. <laughs> Our listeners might not be 100% familiar with the term belt of Venus, but you've, you probably have seen it, uh, maybe when you've been on holiday or, or just taking time to look at the sunset. If you've seen a particularly nice one, you might have seen it. Um and yes it becomes quite pronounced
0: when you see the darkness below it which is the earth's shadow mm. sort of thing as well but that yeah. of course rapidly cr- rises higher and it swamps the belt of venus but it's prominent when it's low down but it's quite pretty so i bet everybody's seen it without realizing you know you've looked at it and not even thought about it because you don't think about that sort of thing unless you know about it but I say full moon rising amongst it is absolutely i think it's absolutely gorgeous so uh, that's a nice way to cap off so full moon not, i normally don't recommend the full moon myself i'm a deep sky or Observer, <laughs> you know the moon gets in the way when it's full, but there are features. There are features on the moon. You've got the rays, etc. And you you see the basins, can't you, as well? Mm-hmm. And then I say you can actually see the color. I love it when it rises and it changes that color as you watch it rising. As such, I keep promising myself one day I'll do a sequence mm. of pictures, sort of thing, catching it. But I, I never get round to it. <laughs> you never get round it. I re- when I think about it, it's cloudy. <laughs> always the case
1: it's the problem when you you know um area of interest is the entire universe um there's quite a lot of it um <laughs> but it does mean there's never a shortage of things to look at um now one thing that's also happening uh, on the ninth uh, is that it's the i believe it's the peak of the draconid's meteor shower uh but uh, i understand it might not be a great year to see that
0: no, I mean, again, with it happening on full moon, mm. I mean, the full moon will drown. I mean, the, the, it's not a big shower. So, you know, you're talking about just a few meteors per hour. But the trouble is, you know, it, if it's like that, then the moon was going to completely ruin them. Mm. Um, so it will diminish. I mean, the week weak in the first place. But to have the full moon as well really doesn't help. So, you know, it's a shame. But, I mean, it doesn't always happen like that. And then some years they are good. And it's always worth looking out. You know, I get the odd bright one. It isn't impossible to see them during full moon, but it diminishes the amount of meteors you can actually see, I'm afraid.
1: Mm-hmm. It is unfortunate sometimes, you know, the, the solar system conspires against us to deny us meteor showers. Oh, it uh, does. But they come along relatively regularly. There's one every few months. Some fairly good ones up twice a year. So hopefully the next one will be better for viewing. But thank you very much for taking the time out of your week, Paul, to tell us all about what we can see in the coming week. So to recap, we've got the first quarter moon in Sagittarius at the beginning of the week, which will be a great opportunity to see some of the craters around the southern pole. And uh, just a little teaser here, if you are interested in some of the craters and features that you can see on the moon, you might want to keep an eye out for the November issue of Sky at Night magazine, which goes on sale on the 28th of October. We've also got another naked eye thing to see on the 5th uh, with Saturn investor forming a triangle with the moon Um, and then on the 8th the full moon will have Jupiter below it and also if you fancy something a little bit more challenging on the 8th um, you can see the asteroid palace as it glides beside Sirius so hopefully there'll be something there that you guys can all take a chance to go and see and if you want to keep up to date with all of the best things to see in the night sky every week be sure to subscribe to the podcast Star Diary podcast and we'll hope to see you here next week. If you want to find out even more spectacular sights that will be gracing the night sky throughout the month, be sure to pick up a copy of BBC Sky at Night magazine, where we have a 16-page pullout sky guide with a full overview of everything worth looking up for. Whether you like to look at the moon, the planets, or the deep sky, whether you use binoculars, telescopes, or neither, our sky guide has got you covered with the detailed star charts to help you track your way across the night sky. From all of us here at BBC Sky at Night magazine, goodbye. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Star Diary podcast from the makers of BBC Sky at Night magazine. For more of our podcasts, visit our website at skyatnightmagazine.com or head to Acast, iTunes or Spotify.